Welcome. Join me, Todd Tanoni, serial entrepreneur, number one international best-selling author of A Man's Journey and seasoned self-growth strategist. My purpose is to help people create deep relationships by really connecting with presence and intention. Welcome to The Right Intention. Hi, my name is Todd Tanoni, your host. Thanks for joining in to The Right Intentions. This is my first episode. And some of you may be asking, what what does the right intentions mean? For me, the right intentions come from a place of openness and love, inspiring us to do things, the right things, make kind choices, and help others with compassion. So essentially, it's really really just doing the right thing. And the best thing to do is explain me, where I came from, and how I got got to where I am today. I'm originally born in Erie, Pennsylvania, and I I was the youngest of three children, the baby of the family. And growing up, it was, I was pretty introverted, and I really... I found myself being made fun of even from my parents and my brother brother and sister. Seven years separated each of us. So I think my parents were intimate every seven years. And so I was a baby of the family. And our family unit really wasn't too uh, – it was disjointed because there was seven years of, of gap between my sister brother, my brother and myself – and you really didn't see us having family dinners and things like that. So when I was growing up, my sister was already out out the door and kind of living her uh, her own life. So I went through uh, high school, grew up in suburbia, and then my dad made uh, a decision, kind of a midlife crisis, you would say, to where he decided to buy a, a farm and a fixer-upper place and it never really quite got fixed up. And so I went through high school, getting involved in athletics, playing football, track, all that jazz. And really, I saw the next step because all my friends were you know, going to college and that seemed like the, mes- the most logical step to move forward. So I went to college, um, looked at different schools. I was on the waiting list at Notre Dame. I saw that as being too expensive for me to foot the bill on. And I looked at some other schools, decided on West Virginia University. And it was close enough to Erie, Pennsylvania, a few hours away. So it was easy enough if I needed to get home. It was a few-hour drive. And it also wasn't, uh, wasn't a mini high school. To me, if I would have went to Penn State University, so many people in my graduating class were going there. So I felt that I wanted to go somewhere where I could kind of explore and uh, be myself and just really meet some new people. So I went to WVU and a traumatic thing happened my junior year when I was 19. I was in Columbus, Ohio in a fraternity trip. And I got a call and somehow this was a day before cell phones were readily available the way they are today. And I got a call 
and I knew exactly uh, what had happened. I had this intuition. Uh, my father had was a uh, amputee. He was getting he he ended up being a double amputee from uh, diabetes until he he passed away uh, several years later. He was he was in for surgery for his uh, the, the amputation of his first leg, and. I know that was, I knew that was tough on my mom being that I was the youngest. She felt kind of empty that I was going away to school. And my dad was a bit ornery and perhaps not, not the best role model for me on how to treat a woman. And I know my mom was scared on how he was going to come out of this surgery. Uh, so when I was tracked down via an old rotary phone in Columbus, Ohio, I ended up getting a, um, I took the phone and a, uh, a friend of the family, Eric Lipinski, said, Todd, something happened. And I said, it's my mom, right? She killed herself. And he said, yeah. And at that point, I just fell to my knees and just started crying. So what ensued to happen is um, my dad, my brother, and my sister were still alive. And my, my brother decided he'd move back in with my father because he had a local um, business and he could just operate it out of there. With that point being said, my brother did that. He said, go back to school. That's what you're meant to do. So I went to school. And for years, actually about 30 years, I dealt with survivor's guilt. I blamed myself for my mother's death and carried that really the majority of my adult life until I was able to release it uh, this last, a couple years ago, uh, actually doing a plant medicine journey, uh, believe it or not. So there's been a lot of self-development and growth in, um, in my world, uh, really, which we'll get into in a little bit. So went back to WVU and, uh, and it was really, really strange for me because I was dealing with all these, this pain and these emotions, uh, sadness that I couldn't deal with. And my, sexual promiscuity ran rampant. And then that happened for a period of time. And then I kind of became an introvert, which was challenging for me because I was just starting to come out of my shell in college. And then I was just staying in my room studying and things like that because I felt that I, I, I put the wrong meaning to it. I felt that God was punishing me for my God, my mother's death. And, and that obviously was not the case. We need to understand, and I know now, that people are doing the best that they can with what they have at any given point in time. So my mom was getting through life and doing the best that she could based on the skills and tools that she, uh, that she had at, um, at the time. So, so going through college and then uh, my senior year, my brother did it a different way. However, he took his own life during uh, my final exams week at West Virginia University. And 
that wasn't as devastating to me, but almost it was, you know, about a year and a half that separated their deaths. So my mom took her life. My brother took his life. And one thing that I found was I, I was hurting and, and one of my, one of the things, uh, one of my beliefs is family is very, very big, big to me. And I was losing, losing my family. My dad was in a deep depression. At this point, he had lost his second leg from uh, diabetes. So he was a double amputee from diabetes and he was smoking a couple packs a day of Tarrington's, not taking care of his health. And I remember he had a um, huge ashtray where he just you know, would just drill out, you know, there were, there had to be 10, 20 packs of cigarette butts in this ashtray that was always overflowing that I would just get so frustrated where I'd have to dump that. And then he had like a big bowl of candy next to him. And it's like, he, he was, he was in such this, this dark place that he didn't know how to, to deal with my mom's death, because I think he knew that the reason she did it was because she didn't know how um, how he was going to be when he came out of the first um, first surgery with getting his leg amputated. So, like a lot of people, I was searching for something, and I tried to find it in church. So I started delving into church full time and trying to get the right meaning there, and I still found. I still found this emptiness. I was not ready because I was honestly in so much pain and didn't know how to deal with it. And I got involved in a relationship that, quite frankly, I was not ready for. And the person that I got involved with was not ready for either. We really connected well intimately um, she had a little daughter, which was kind of insta family for me, which was awesome because that was kind of filling a gap for me. However, I hadn't done the work on myself to really heal myself and deal with childhood trauma, and you know, more importantly, what happened with my mom and uh, and my brother. So, raced into that relationship under the wrong pretenses. After a couple of years, it was, it made, you know, it was obvious to both of us that it wasn't working. So we split up. Then I did a deeper dive into church. And um, one day I, I woke up and just did not, I still felt, uh, felt empty inside. And uh, I started going out with my drinking buddies again and uh, met, met my wife of uh, almost 30, 30 years. And and this is I'm, I'm living in Erie at the time, and uh, I really, uh, knowing what I know now, I really pushed the envelope too quickly with her on getting um, on getting intimate and having sex, and we seemed to connect well there. However, I would never, knowing what I know today, I would never do that to somebody again. So. We got married and bought a fixer-upper house in Erie, Pennsylvania. Uh, we had three kids, and I was not my best self. I operated, and, and understand, 
people, at least for me, a lot of it was really my, um, what I saw going on around me, my environment. And I did not see, my parents did not have a healthy relationship. And unfortunately, I was mean, angry, always in fits of rage, and just really had no emotional maturity at the time. So we had struggles during our entire marriage. And there were times that I didn't show up as my best self and she didn't show up as her best self because, again, people are only doing the best with the skills and tools that they have at any given time. And my behavior reflected my environment that I saw growing up. And it wasn't, uh, we weren't the cleavers, I guess, for lack of a better term. So, and I'm not using it as an excuse. I'm just using it as fact. I did not show up the right way. And we both, both could have done better. So, while we were married, we had three kids. We were separated multiple times. We both kept uh, hurting each other. I think we both needed somebody. And I don't think it was each other. I now realize that the reason that we were put together was for a certain period of time I don't feel I was supposed to spend my whole life with her. However, I honor that time uh, with my with my uh, ex-wife because we would not have our children or or grandchildren. So we kept struggling in our marriage. We were in Erie for uh, about ten years. We we worked very well together, and when we were aligned, we were. We, we started out and we were very, um, we were not wealthy. Uh, our fixer upper house cost about $25,000. It took us 10 years, multiple separations and, you know, 10 years to fix this thing up, paying 25 grand for it. We ended up uh, having, it was about, um, I think there were, the replacement value for the insurance was over $600,000. So we put a lot into the property and it really should have been the end of our, our marriage multiple times, but there was just something this, we were, we were too scared to, to split up. I guess there was always this, this connection. The uncertainty was very, very scary for us. And I think we, we were settling and I think a lot of people do that in, in their marriages and in relationships in general. I feel that people need to really, really, really do some self-work, some self-healing, some self-reflection so they can show up as their best selves. When they do that, I think when people do the work, when they don't rush intimacy, then they're going to be more aligned with their significant other. I, I think people, and, and, and speaking for myself, I feel that people really, they rush intimacy. I've even heard of uh, some women that, you know, hey, after three dates, I'm sleeping with the guy. And, you know, who made that roll up? It's, 
interesting to uh, to say the least. So we lived in Erie, and from Erie, we then transitioned to Charleston, South Carolina. The company I was working for, not my dream team of partners, and we just needed to kind of escape. Our kids were still young, and we really didn't like the cold and the snow. So we moved to Charleston, and things seemed to be a little bit more aligned and better uh, with myself and my wife, and we moved into a nice neighborhood, which you always want to give your kids more than you had growing up, and myself and my wife came from very humble beginnings. So we ended up uh, rolling into South Carolina. Things were good, and... uh, we started a business and boy, oh boy, we scaled this thing and grew it to uh, 50 locations. Uh, it was a furniture store and we had a concept. We started it in 2008 and uh, we started in- an incubator in Charleston and we could churn people out. I was great on building a compelling future, knew how to uh, build the team with the right values and beliefs because I've always one of my gifts is I'm always able to connect with people and she was great with keeping the back end clean so she was concerned when we first started it because she knew that uh, I would grow this thing and she wanted to keep it small and and manageable and I just wanted to grow it and grow it big because I was so significance driven and really that was that fulfilled one of my needs i wanted to be uh, i wanted to be the guy and i wanted to build something big i wanted to have people's respect and knowing what i know today you know that um the the definition of of that i would not do today so we ended up scaling the furniture business and uh I was um, working a lot and I feel that I wasn't as present as I should have been for her or for the kids. And uh, I really put the business in all of our locations first. And from there, we started having marital challenges again because women just want to be, want to feel safe and they want to be heard. And essentially, I just, I buried myself in work. I got the respect that that I, and significance that I needed from the people that worked with me. And I felt that I did not get that at home. And uh, the reality is I didn't get it at home because I didn't deserve it. I felt that they should just, you know, worship me for lack of better terms. And respect is is something that's earned. And I didn't earn the respect of my family the way way I should have. So we went through a couple couple separations, peaks and valleys, and businesses booming. And then um, we had some some challenges. I had some health challenges. I was not in good shape at the time. I was uh, smoking a couple packs of uh, Marlboro Reds a day, overeating, uh, probably worst shape of my life, maxing out at 250 pounds, uh, not exercising and uh, drinking way too much and working too much. Work was really my outlet and my identity. So it was a time to where the locations had to... um, it was time for 
us to kind of go our separate ways, for lack of better terms. And unfortunately, that hit us with and amassed a lot of debt for us. We took about a $2 million hit when when we um, decided, um, or I should say, the locations left our organization because they were licensees. So we took a $2 million hit. Most people in their right mind would have filed bankruptcy. However, that's not the way I was brought up. And I said, you know, we owe this money to vendors and other debtors and we're we're going to make sure that we take care of this so we did we did and it uh, buried us for some time and it took a few years to dig out of the hole that that we had created however uh, we were able to pay all the debts back and that was pretty exciting fast forward to april 15th of 2021 there was a point in time when I just decided I deserve better and my wife deserved better and um, it wasn't working. So I had left our marital home. To back, back it up here a few years prior to that, she saw that we were missing something and she had signed us up for um, some Tony Robbins um, events and classes and I'm like, sure, we can do it. And it wasn't, um, it was, uh, it cost uh, a good bit of money. However, I saw how much we had spent over the years. And I said, if you think it's a good idea, let's do it. So back in 2017, um, I went to my first uh, Tony Robbins event and started to get my eyes open to what was out there and kind of putting a different meaning two things. And that was, I would say, back in 2017, when we were in, um, it was in Hawaii. When we went to that event, it was life-changing for me because it was the first time I was really exposed to a positive environment in a long time because I really told the story of being the victim. Why is this happening to me? I put the wrong meaning to things. Uh, One thing that resonates with me to this day that really helps me put things into perspective is uh, Tony Robbins says, life is happening for you, not to you. So whenever challenging situations come up in life, I now look at giving it a different meaning. So what can I learn from this? Asking myself better questions. So what can I learn from this? What does this mean? And so you really learn some life lessons. So I was in the Tony Robbins environment for a few years, and uh, during that time, I learned a lot, went deep, and really started this path of self-discovery and growth. And I can't thank my wife, Christina, enough for uh, turning us on to that, because that's really kind of when I started looking at things, looking at changing my attitude and, um, and my life quite frankly. So Tony Robbins stuff was going on well. And even though I was growing, it became apparent that myself and my wife weren't um, weren't meant to be together forever. So back to April 15th of 2021, uh, decided it was time to, um, to move out and for us to heal. And I will tell you, it was 
quite a self-discovery journey for me because at this point, I was 50 years old and I was alone and scared. I was I was a scared little boy in a man's body. I, it was the first time in my life that I had been alone. And the crazy part about that is it, it made me really dig deep and start looking at myself, which is what a lot of people really don't do as much as they should today. And I think there's a true awakening going on with people in their 40s or older to where they're not really getting or living the life of fulfillment that they want. I feel that when we when we were raised, we're programmed with all these things with almost boxes to check off, like, okay, go to high school, check, go to trade school or go to college, check, find somebody, check, get married. So we've got all this, this programming inside of us that I had started looking at things differently and kind of reprogramming myself. And that's something that I've done the last few years. So I had started writing a book a few years ago. It was called 18 Months Sober, dedicated to my youngest son who's in recovery and gave us our our, uh, first beautiful granddaughter, uh, Lua. She's beautiful. She's a year and a half old now. And the book never felt quite right for me to put out there. And I ended up hooking up the publisher, AWA, uh, Marja Simon and her team at Author Writers Academy. Thank you so much. And she put me through a heart-centered exercise. And during this heart-centered exercise, she goes, what do you want to talk about? And I said, I went through it and I'm like, I don't want to talk about that. And she goes, well, what is it? I said, marriage. So I slept on it. And the next morning, it really made sense to me because what was at the top of my mind is I had spent more than half of my adult life with, with my wife. And why, why did I? And, and it was all that was on my mind because I was questioning, what did I do wrong? What did I do right? So there was just a lot of self-discovery in that because when I moved out, I moved into a one-bedroom apartment by myself in downtown Charleston. Typically don't go out party or anything like that. I run a, uh, a men's group on uh, Wednesday nights. It helps fathers deal with their kids that are in recovery or current addicts. And other than that, I just uh, read, meditate, and uh, listen to podcasts and now do them. I ended up after everything uh, was moving forward, I wrote a book. It was called A Man's Journey. And it's kind of funny. I look at the work that I've done and I started looking at giving different meaning and looking at the, the intention of my actions. So, for example, when I would get in an argument with my spouse or one of my kids, your natural reaction when they hit that trigger is for you to kind of lash back And what happened with uh, self-discovery and the reflection that I've done, I kind of take the comment in and think outside for the answer. 
and give it a different answer and a different meaning. Because I think when somebody's arguing with you, if you match them with that argument, then you're essentially matching their vibration. And there's a lot of polarity and things of that nature that fall into place that really don't, um, you've got to keep polarity. However, when there's an argument, it's typically, from my experience, the more you argue, the lower it brings your vibration down and the conflict doesn't get resolved. So I started looking at things with my actions and doing things with with what I call the the right intentions, doing the right thing, asking better questions. What did that mean to me? So as we fast forward into uh, last year in 2022, I'm doing a lot of the self-growth, discovery. I love the changes I see with the gentlemen in our men's group. And I had three um, basic outcomes uh, when I decided that um, it was time to walk away from my marriage, I honored those and I really processed things better because I think it was important to be and meet my wife with love and kindness because that's, that was the right thing to do or the right intention. So last fall, the book was ready to come out. And prior to that, I had uh, went to an event uh, called Vibravision, and I hit the pineal gland for the first time, and it really opened things up. The next morning, I did a frequency meditation, and when I did that frequency meditation the next morning, uh, tears started rolling down my eyes, and at that point in time, I realized what I needed to do, and with uh, with the divorce, the business uh, was was our largest asset, and I realized at that point in time everything that I had been doing up until this point, the business was never about the money. It was about taking care of my family. So I had a conversation with uh, with my wife in the fall of twenty two. Told her what I was thinking that we needed to get together and talk, and that. I felt to take care of her and and my family that it made sense for her to take over the business. Because of that, because that was what was on my heart, this is an example of doing things for the right intention. Okay, try to follow me here. The business was never about the money. It was about taking care of my family. So I feel... Because of that, when my book came out a couple weeks later, I had no idea it was going to happen. I just wanted to write a book. And I had people read it, um, friends and publisher, and they said, this thing is amazing. It's magnificent. It's going to change lives. People are going to ask you to speak. You're going to be a best-selling author. And I was the, I, you know, what I kept telling myself is I just want to write a book. And lo and behold, book came out the day of launch in the morning. It was less than ideal. However, I just put it out there in the universe. Whatever was going to happen was going to happen. And I was so pumped. We started uh, going up the charts in the U.S. 
and we ended up hitting um, top five and multiple ca- um, top uh, the number one in uh, I think it was five categories in the United States. Then um, it hit in um, the UK. And then by four o'clock Eastern Standard Time, it was going viral in Australia. And I was a number one international bestselling author on Amazon. So that, um, rather than the business, became my identity. And as I looked at this and I've done some small speaking engagements and talking to people, I realized that a lot of us out there today were not doing the right things. We're not living with the right intentions. We don't have the skills and tools. And I'm a guy who, through his own self-discovery, self-reflection, and growth, and a lot of pain digging deep down, I'm great in, in really helping men deal with their shit, for lack of better terms. The truth is, America needs, the youth of America needs the right leaders, the right men to lead, and they don't have the right role models. It's almost a de-evolution of of what's coming uh, and what's coming and what's been happening and what's been translated into today's youth. America needs better leaders. People need to speak up. Men need to be better role models. Uh, We all in the human race need to be better role models. Most importantly, it's men because men will lead the charge. And I feel that men today are not operating in their masculine energy the way that they should. And and being in your masculine energy is not, you know, pounding on your chest like Tarzan. It's being vulnerable. It's being open. It's sharing your thoughts. I, for so many years, would just clam up and really not share my thoughts. I was a pleaser. I was agreeing to things. And I wasn't getting the desired outcome. So when we do things for the right reasons and for the right intentions with integrity, I feel that, and I've seen very amazing things manifest themselves in my my life. As we look forward to what we're going to be covering here, I'm going to have amazing guests on here at times, and sometimes it may just be me. However, my goal and what we'll accomplish here is give people the right information so they can connect with themselves because it starts with your own self-healing, your own self-reflection, dealing with your stuff. As a man, I pushed everything down for so many years because I was told, don't cry, don't show your pain. And I never released a lot of that stuff and it just built up over the years. And I feel so vibrant, so free And, you know, with the rituals that I have now, I'm in the best shape of my adult life. I work out, I pray, I meditate. I have about two hours of rituals every morning just to get my mind right to go after the day. I don't push things the way I used to. I know that things are going to work out the way that they're supposed to. So I think it's important as we move forward There's going to be content on here so you can connect with yourselves and there's going to be 
amazing speakers that are experts in their area in their field. And we're going to be talking about everything from family. We'll touch on spirituality, business, trends. And really, it's so we can co-elevate the vibration of the world and bring it higher. We want people to self-reflect, process the information, and grow. And I'm so looking forward to everyone that's going to learn from this because at the end of the day, it's the end of the day and it all starts with you. It all starts with your perception of the world and the responsibility that you, you want to take. Again, it's all energy, isn't it? We need to do the right things with the right intentions. And when we bring the right energy and the right vibration, it's going to change the world. And just think about it this way. If you smile and make somebody's day or give somebody a compliment, that could really lift them up. And I think we sometimes don't look at things the right way. I think we look at our own personal gain. As I look at a lot of amazing things that have happened in my life in the past several years, it's for doing things not for just monetary rewards. It's doing things for the right right intentions, for the right reasons. And if you do things for the right reasons, you're going to have many blessings. So I look forward. I thank you for listening. And um, just so you know, these episodes will be as long or as short as they need to be. It's going to depend on the content. It's going to depend on the speaker. We may go a half an hour. We may go two hours. It's going to be exactly what you need when you need it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us at The Right Intention. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite pod player. If you'd like to connect with me on social, you can find me anywhere at Todd Tanoni. If you want to contact me directly, you can reach out to me at toddtanoni.com. Together, we can create a ripple effect of positive change in the world.